Scotty, 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 are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> okay, well, I, I was start. I was enjoying it so much. I thought I wouldn't answer. <laughs> That's good, as long as you at least pressed records, so it was captured in all its glory, meaning that your part where you're, you know, just burping dismissively while I'm singing. My, my silence would have been captured in all its glory, whether I was recording or not. It's, I think the question more relevantly and probably more frequently is, did you press record? Well, I'm recording, except for I, I couldn't hear what you just said because of network problems. So I'm going to assume that you just said something incredibly uh, clever. In, well, I don't know. We, I can just insert whatever you like in there now. But there we are. Anyway, John, how are you? Well... You know, I guess I'm just trying to get things all sorted out. Ha ha. As you silly Brit, I mean, you Brits say. Would you like to know what I'm talking about? John, nothing would please me more at this moment than knowing what you were talking about. (laughs) Well, that makes two of us, but I'll see if I can remember. Because sadly, I'm having to do this without benefit of caffeine because I'm going to have a bunch of labs drawn. So I've been, I have not eaten anything or had anything other than water for the last 12 plus hours. Um, But anyway, so I was talking about sorting. So uh, I was working on, as I I think I've I've said last week to our listener, I've been working on a new canvas, which is great. And that's wonderful. But it it means that basically for, for the type of data I'm getting, there's not a, a an existing API that, that gives me just the data I need and I can construct it. But this one's a little bit, you know, kind of a little bit less comfortable, let's say, in that I'm basically having to fetch, you know, the entire set of data for a given, uh, you know, member profile um, and then sort through and filter out the data. And, you know, it could easily be a thousand or more items. And so, no, it's not a big, big deal, but, you know, generally I'd like to be efficient. seems stupid for me to, to fetch a thousand items only to get maybe 10 or 15 at a time based on, on, on what, you know, what I'm working on. Um, and then to further make it make sense, I need to sort it based on some, uh, you know, dates, date windows, which are expressed as Unix timestamps, and that's great. And, you know, so I'm basically, this is this, this particular row on this particular canvas, you know, is the, it contains only, only data where I'm, I make the assumption that it would have this type of, 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 of availability and, and, you know, start and end dates or timestamps rather. Um, and so since I, it's something that I added after the fact, and I don't care about that attribute for, for in other contexts, I just basically said it's an optional uh, attribute. And then it says, well, now I need to be able to sort it. And then that reminded me that, you know, Swift don't, does, you can't just like, you know, make assumptions and let somebody else figure it out. Which is something I still love about Objective-C, that if you're sorting on a property, you can just specify that you're sorting. You don't have to actually write a sort function. And then based on the data, decide, well, this is an integer. So the smart thing to do or the thing that works for me is to, to if it's there's no available data, just turn it into max int or zero or whatever the case may be in order to like just basically ignore it unless I'm missing something something. It's like, this is, this is, you know, it's my, my morning rant, but do you know what I'm going on about? You know, sorting, sorting objects with, with, with optional properties. Am I missing something? Is there so much easier way of doing it? So do you, yeah. So, but you, I guess the question is initially is, do you want 
do you want the objects that don't have a value within those properties still included in the result set or don't you? I, I do. It just basically means that, I, 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 yeah, I thought about that. And, and, and because I know that there's a way of doing a, a whatever, a flat map, which will just eliminate them, but I do actually want to have them in there. And so that I guess that's the rub, right? If you want to have them included, then you have to figure out, well, where would they appear in the sorting order? And so if you write a sort function... You know, you you can you can make an artificial comparison thing that you will you say it will be guaranteed to to be at the end or the beginning of the list, depending on what you want. And you're just trying to so I mean, you surely just deal with this in a sort function where you provide a default value if it's nil. I do, I do. right, I I do do that. My my bitter complaint is that I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write, well, John, had to write an extra why couple don't you of just get code? Why don't you just get someone to use the keyboard for you, you lazy shit? <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> All right, that's fine. But you know, you see what I'm getting at. I just, I mean, I, I, it makes sense. I understand, right? You know, Swift basically does not allow you to to fuck responsibility off to someone else. Um, usually, usually, uh, <laughs> which usually you know, involves a crash at some point when in a condition that you you couldn't imagine yourself or where there's so much ambiguity. So I get it. I just, I was just wondering if there was not some existing, you know, whatever commonly used extension that exists. But I think even in thinking about that, you couldn't really do it because if it's nil, you know, the, the default value you have to provide has to make sense based on the data type, right? So if it's a string, maybe it's just yeah. an empty string. And if it's an int, maybe it's max int or zero or whatever. So it depends on that. So there's really no way of getting around it. Um, so I just leave it leave it be. But it was my morning complaint. But now that I've got that all sorted out and you are going to tell me that that's, that's the, the best way of solving it, then I can move on with my life and let go and well, move on to other more important things. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not going to say that's the best way of solving it because I am sure there is somewhere out there, someone out there um, who is very very clever and has a far smarter answer than mine. Just write a a sort function, you lazy git. Um, but um, right. yeah, to to the best of uh, my limited knowledge, um, yeah, I, I it's because you know optionals. Uh, it is, isn't it? It's still, I think optionals are a complete pain in the backside, but equally they save our lives in more, you know, having to explicitly handle optionals is something we always curse. But but equally, the fact that, you know, nil values didn't cause problems in Objective-C, because you could have basically, you could call methods on nil and everything, um, it has to be one of the biggest reasons for bugs in an Objective-C app. Has to be. I mean, I would say maybe before Arc, a memory management is probably the biggest thing to do with um, uh, to do with bugs in Objective-C apps. But since then, I've got to say it's nil values when they're not expected or possibly casting things to things they really aren't, but still getting away with it. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. you know, passing everything around his ID uh, and then casting it to whatever the hell you like when it gets there with absolutely no no, no check if it, if it is one of those or not and then sometimes getting away with calling something on it because it's in the right place yeah so um, I, I think John you're, you're a little I think you know even though even after what is it six years seven years dealing with optionals is still frustrating I think the frustration it causes is still worth it. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I do agree. 
Um, and now I was trying to think about there was something else related that I want to. Oh, I, I have another question for you, O oh, O oh, Swift Sage. May I ask it? Uh, sorry, we got someone else on the call with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this has to do with with protocol compliance because you know you can you can invent all the protocols you want, and even though when you say that this particular class conforms to or struck, I guess you know it conforms to a, a protocol. Um, you know, there's there's no limit other than the number of, of, of characters you wanted to extend and so on and so forth. Um, but there's no such thing as protocol inheritance, right? I can't say it it, it conforms to all this plus these other ones, or I mean, rather this protocol inherits from that. You you can't do that. You just basically have to define two protocols and and, and the reason for it is that it's mostly like this one thing, but this has these two additional properties that I want to, to define in my protocol. So what does one do? Well, it's, are they exactly the same? It's, it is literally... Well, the it, base it, values it is, are exactly the same. It, it is literally... Um, it, it, it is literally uh, the same thing, but... Um, uh, Two additional properties. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you can make a protocol conform to a protocol, though. So, so you okay. could. So, so, that... so effective, that is protocol inheritance, isn't it? Oh, well, I suppose so. All right. Well, fine. I will just do that. So you can, you know, you you could have protocol one, protocol two, and protocol three. Then you can say protocol four conforms to protocol one, two, and three, and then anything that. Uh, anything that implements protocol four has to implement all of that. All right, oh. I believe so. Right. You're, I mean, you're, 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 you're. I, I'm trying to <laughs> check that you know my memory is correct there, but I think that's correct. It, or we have just looked very silly on air. But you know, um, there we go. What, hardly what, would be the first time good thing we new? don't look like anything on air yeah that that's true if we were a video podcast we would um be in even more trouble <laughs> yeah. uh dear. so what well, we're, talk- what we're talking I'm, about I'm mistakes out. you carry Go on sir. <laughs> this really no, no, I'm done. Amazing. I mean, that, that was, I was, I was, I was making the brilliant transition, but then the network lag killed it. But I was going to say, now that I've all sorted out and and conform it. Oh wait, hold a second. No, I'll add my last thing. You know what I watched last night? I watched Sir with Love, which is an old movie with Sidney Poitier. That's uh, where he goes and plays a teacher in a troubled part of London, and eventually breaks through the the cold. You know, kind of, you know, I don't care about anything attitude of 60s teenagers in, in, in East London. It was a lovely movie. I, I remember kind of watching a little bit about it, but that was the whole thing. that he, You know, he was warned that there's nothing to be done with these people. And then he at one point realized that they are, are treated like children all the time. And now he's going to treat them like adults because they are going to be adults soon in a matter of months. And they have to learn about life. And he takes them on a you know a trip to visit a museum where they had not been outside of their neighborhood probably ever, or at least not to go see the particular museum exhibit. And he took them to a, a fashion exhibit, and and that they realized that that you know fashion runs in cycles, and they were looking like people two hundred years ago as much as they thought that they were rebelling against their their idiot parents. It was a grand movie. I do not believe I have seen it. We will put a link in the show notes, and I maybe have to watch it. It's going in the show notes. So get all sorted and informant. Talking of things in show notes, uh, last week we were talking about you were using um, SQLite.swift. And Mm -hmm. um, 
me. I, I said that we used that one when we were sort of doing the rewrites of Bunnywell. And, and we did. We did start with that one. But actually, we uh, I remembered after the show, uh, we'd actually, in the end, settled on a different one, um, grdb.swift, um, which worked on a slightly different uh, basis. Uh, I mean, I did send you uh, an iMessage saying that... Um, did you get a chance to have a look? Did it make any difference for you? Or is it, I mean, it's only been a few days, so I, maybe I've not even had a chance to have a look yet. No. No, I had a look at the, the description of it, and it sounded almost exactly what I wanted, um, but I have had not not had a chance to, to, to actually try it with code. You know, one thing that I, I remember running into was, you know, hey, I, I set up the, the, the Swift package file and then added something to it, and then when I... You know, Xcode did its thing. It, it pulled down all the files, but then it said, "Sorry, can't you know, can't load this class from module." Something to that effect. And I thought, "God, what have I done wrong?" And then I ran into a, a somewhat similar problem where I, you know, uh, uh, was m- merging changes in Git, and I had pulled something, and and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, I had a compiler error saying hey, I can't find this module, and then, and then I sent a message to the guy saying, "Are you sure you checked it in?" And and he goes, absolutely, I tested again. So then, you know, in the intervening time, I had quit Xcode, ran it again, and then I said, you know, I was like, oops, my bad. But then I realized that, that that's actually a fairly common thing that, you you know, you, you it's easy to forget because many times you'll be, you know, have a loaded Xcode project and you make changes. And, you know, the changes, I guess, are such that it, it it you know it, everything carries on fine, but I suppose if you're modifying a, an Xcode project file out from underneath it, and the modification involves the adding of of new files which contain code that you're then referencing in, in code, you cannot guarantee that Xcode will have been smart enough. So you just kind of have to get into the habit of reloading, and and that that does pull you know on a thread. I was talking about last week about how you know I was having a hard time debugging, and then I I wrote a whole document about my experiences in debugging with with Node.js, and part of it had to do with with just the context switch from from Swift to, to, to JavaScript and from different IDEs, but still it comes down to what I. I I, I said certainly in the document, can't remember whether I said it here on the show, is that in every development environment you have your certain muscle memory that is obvious to do to, to use. Like, of course you always have to do this, but somebody coming in, it's like, no, I wouldn't intuitively know that I'd do something. I have to completely get rid of the, the Docker image and rebuild it and reload it from scratch because I know that, you know, that the, the parts of the tool chain do not work completely properly on, on M1. So if you want things to run properly, you have to know that. It's it's just all the how do I say it? just the gotchas that that may or may not be well documented or if they are they're buried somewhere and you just know it's in your 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 muscle memory and it's it makes life a little bit uh, challenging when when you run up against these things. The joy of the tool chain and its uh, and its problems <laughs> and then sometimes oh because so like yesterday we were trying to um, notarize the beta of Moneywell ready for um, sending out to the first set of beta users. And, um, you know, every time we do a release on, um, of Moneywell, it has to go through, you know, we, we, uh, it has to be notarized. Um, it's a developer ID app. It's not within the App Store currently. It's an external app. Therefore, um, in order for it not to show loads of messages or not even run on some versions of the US, we have to do notarization. Um, now, with the beta of Moneywell, we've added a few more things that we we use, you know, um, uh, such as iCloud, 
uh, in there. And so we ticked a couple of extra boxes. Uh, it's got a new bundle ID. But yeah, but effectively, most of it's the same. And so we submit it for notarization yesterday. Um, it just continually fails and continually fails and then continually fails and then just hangs and then continually fails. Then at some point, you know, about however many hours in, it just, uh, I mean, I think it started initially with some certificate problems, but we sorted them. It just worked. And it was like, well, okay, so this must have been a, yeah, we didn't change it. It must have been a back-end problem. There must have been a problem with the service. But there's no report that the service is having problems, you know. And, and you know, and with the only so the only thing we can think of, you know, is you know, someone came into the the Apple office at you know eight o'clock in the morning and said, "Oh, something's not working. We'll do a reboot." <laughs> and then suddenly it started working for us. So yeah. So um, anyone who's not on Pacific time, you know, to time zone, had to wait for the guy in the morning to turn it on. So uh, so you know, you add into the fact that sometimes you know we use all these tools that have got not just about the configuration on our machines, what version you're using, whether you're on an M1 or an Intel Mac, whether you used, um, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, something like Brew to install them or you compiled them from source code, you know, add into the fact that, you know, some of these things are server-based and have glitches and not always running. Yeah, and the um, what often feels like, you know, they are, these tool chains, are designed to save us a lot of work and you know you only have to go you think back to we were just given a you know a text editor and a a c compile command line c compiler and told to go and develop apps these days we would all crumble into the you know into um you know uh, the the loony bean and not come out again dribbling or wouldn't come out again or if we did we'd be dribbling so yeah but it's just frustrating isn't it and i think that's the thing it's um it's just Life can be frustrating when you're doing development stuff with all these different tools. There's there there's a there was a band, I think they're from LA called Missing Persons, I want to say. And I think that they had a hit single called Situation Unknown or something. I have to search this down, but but it has like the opening opening lyric, Life can be strange. Does that at all ring a bell for you from your punk days? No. No. All right. Well, forget it. Because there was very, very little crossover of US punk and UK punk back in those days. I mean, mm. the, the, these days, um, you know, these days, music is definitely far more international than it used to be. Um, with things like uh, Apple Music and Spotify, um, basically, you know, I, I think when you, you I, I'm suspecting that when artists sign up to these services there you know instead of having a record label in the US a record label in the UK a record label in Germany when you sign up to these services you're probably making more worldwide deals I'd imagine or worldwide agreements um because probably doesn't give you a choice I don't I don't know no idea how that works I could be totally wrong there so firstly accessing music from different countries is now a lot easier um and the understanding of music from different places is is now a lot easier whereas you know, back when I was growing up, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, um, yeah, m- music uh, was very um, uh, yeah, national in a way. And, you know, there Regionalist, were, national. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not even necessarily. And, you know, it was quite, actually considered quite rare uh, for UK bands to, you know, really, we call it, you know, 
make it big in America or break into America. I mean, obviously, there's exceptions. You know, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Elton John, those, you know, sort of, you know, the megastars you know, of, the, of that period. David Bowie, I guess, would be another one, and, and probably many others. But, um, yeah, and it just is rare for American bands to be, you know, successful, um, you know, in, in the UK, I'm not saying rare, it was just a lot harder. So um, anyway, that was the answer to your question was no, but equally back in those days, that wouldn't have necessarily been because of my complete ignorance. That's maybe because it was never promoted or made available. Well, De- defending, defending, well, my, defending my ignorance, 40 years on. <laughs> defending my ignorance since 19... 19- <laughs> so, so, well, so well, here we are. Now that now that you're making me think about things that I thought and was certain of, you know, even even ten years ago, and then turned out to be wrong, I could admit to just to two things that I I spoke about in a talk, and if I had it to go back over again, I would have changed what I said a little bit, um, so that the 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 talks could could age a little bit better. Would you like to know what those are, Scotty? Okay, let's do the um, let, let's let's pre- prepare a segment. Um, do 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 do. What I wish I'd known then. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to build me a, a time machine. Uh, no, this is this is a talk that I gave in, in in Amsterdam at Amsterdam some number of years ago, and I was talking about you know lessons that I I had had in life and how I applied it to my software career, and one of them was having gone to Korea and and noticed that everybody in Korea, all the the bands. We're all trying to imitate either boy bands in America like NSYNC and so on and so forth or New Kids on the Block. Um, and rather than than kind of looking at some aspects of their culture, which I, I to me seems unique and one of which was this kind of Korean folk dance style, which was highly acrobatic and I thought was just amazingly cool. And that would probably have seemed completely corny to them because they have it all the time. But it is related to what you were saying is that now that that information and exchange of culture just happens and in two seconds, there's hardly any corner of the world unless it's, you know, without Internet that does not kind of have at their fingertips any bit of, of answer to any question they can imagine, you know, as, you know, like, how do I sort something and deal with optionals or, you know, what interesting music should I listening to? But what I'd said is that the reason you didn't want to do that is that if you are imitating the the international, the, the global standard, you have all the competition in the world, whereas you do something that is unique to your corner of the globe, then then you might have some chance of breaking through. And I, I, I stand by it to the to 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 certain extent because it is true. But on the other hand, I did not anticipate how, you know, how big the K-pop phenomenon would would get. And, and and I think that's great because now that you have K-pop bands that are as popular in the United States practically as they are in Korea um, and that they, in fact, you know, to set a new standard, which became a global standard. And for that, I think that that's absolutely great. It's one of the, the points of pride of working at Netflix is that a, a huge, you know, hit series or movie now doesn't necessarily have to come from Hollywood. In fact, some of the most interesting stuff precisely, you know, <laughs> doesn't come from Hollywood. And part of the reason why it's interesting to me is because it's it's not. Um, so that was one thing, but the second thing I talked about uh, was was relating to cooking, where I said that you know that you have to be careful not to mix too many flavors because you end up with something that's brown. And and what I meant by that is like indistinct of color, you know, meaning that, it, that there's nothing that's that that just kind of pops out, and then you think, okay, well, it's it, it's similar to software. You can put a million features into it, and then it just becomes indistinct. That was what I was trying to get at. Um, but the the funny thing is, is I made gumbo a couple of weeks ago and, and its color does in fact become brown. And, and in fact, there's something 
you know, it's like one of those things where there may not be a very, very distinct taste, but if you're very careful, you can come up with something where you can't identify exactly all the things that, that are, are making it up, but there is that overall melange, that mix, that, 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 you know, yeah, that, that gumbo <laughs> the, um, that makes it really good. So I stand corrected low these many years later. Yeah, I, this, I mean, how do we relate this to software or do we just stick with cooking and not try? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, firstly, the K-pop thing, yeah, it's, um, you know, I think you just struck lucky, didn't you? They're really, <laughs> but they're, yeah. Uh, yeah, the food, the food thing, I totally uh, hear, agree. You, you sometimes add too many flavors that you become nothing, but sometimes the whole idea of the food is to mix so many things together. The only way you're going to get that flavor is with that mix. Um, and I think gumbo, mm-hmm. gumbo is possibly a good idea of that you know it's um chuck everything in the pot and you get that flavor um and both are fine i guess what is both are fine if that's the intention i would say so there we go um you know maybe the same with software you can have loads of features if the intention is to create the thing at the end uh whereas if the intention was you know to you know to create a simple budgeting app and now you need a degree in bookkeeping to use it because of all the features that didn't work but if you know uh, the goal is to create something that you know has everything you could ever possibly need to do something in there for sort of features then you could argue it did work so there is no right or wrong i guess the the question is always does what i've done meet the goal that I was trying to achieve or you know, the thing I'm saying this thing does anyway. And uh, so that, that's a vague way of putting gumbo into software. Um, so there we are. Gotcha. Yeah, potential titles. I, I think it almost worked, but yeah, <laughs> well, well, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it, it, but isn't that the thing? It's like, you know, in the old objective C and, Object-oriented world, you know, you you could always you could you could ultimately just like, well, we'll figure it out when it happens. <laughs> we'll figure it out at runtime and deal yeah. with the consequences now. Uh, then and and now you have to to kind of like, you no, know, I need to be very very precise about I'm wanting what I'm doing and handle all unknown cases. And in life, you know, maybe at different phases of your life, when you're younger, you say just do it. You know, I'll make a choice and I'll figure out you know at runtime what happens in, in a week or a year. And, you know, you get, you, you gain some experience, you have some pattern recognition available for you to, to help you make choices and you make a different set of choices. So it is in there, you know, it can be related life and software, your, you, how you write code, what, what you write, I think is a direct reflection of your life experiences. And nobody, I think would, would intuitively come to that conclusion because everybody thinks that software engineering is just, it's, you know, you get a CS degree, and and that you once you've reached a certain expertise in 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 writing sorting algorithms for, from scratch so and so forth, then you're done. But it's not. You know, you you look at every problem based on 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 what your brain tells you makes sense. But I think, John, the one thing we can all agree on is you should never force unwrap your conditional gumbo. <laughs> There we go. Sorry, you're, see, we'll see, that totally came out everywhere. wrong. I totally got that wrong. I totally balls that up, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Big go, go. Take two. Yeah, yeah, John, the one thing you can guarantee is you should never force unwrap your optional gumbo, not your conditional gumbo, although you could have a conditional optional gumbo if you really wanted to. But there we are. This is how confusing these things get when you don't even know what they're called. Well... You know, you know what I do. You know what I need. You know what I do know how to call this next segment. 
the call the next segment. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yes, the merciful ending. (laughs) (laughs) The end of all things. There we are. So, John, if if people want to, uh, if people want to get in touch with you and 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 say, how do you put up with that imbecile? uh, What should they do? Well, they should find me on a place where no imbeciles dare show their face, and that's Twitter, where you'll you'll find me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to, you know, by contrast, you know, uh, console you for having a complete idiot as a as a podcast host, where might they do that? They can also do it at the place of... Um... My brain's gone blank. The the place of, of, of consolation, the place of where I, I you can everyone consoles everyone and there is never a tear uh, or bitterness any sight. And that is I don't know, what's it called? Twitter, that's the place where I am. Mac mm-hmm. My brain obviously isn't really working today, is it, John? You know, it's just I'm just I'm just randomly spouting words from a dictionary and hoping they fall into something that could be generally considered a sentence if I was lucky. And there we are. I am I am making sentences that are coming out like gumbo. Mm. And with that, we will say thanks for listening. And until next time. You make a roux, and that way you can take care of your gumbo. <laughs> Thank you.